I'm Don Fox from Fox Farms in Angleton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. It's great to have you along for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When it comes to the recent history of Texas Panhandle agriculture, silage demand has been a very big story. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we're going to look at what silage production means profitability-wise on a per-acre basis. An optimistic outlook for El Nino to significantly reduce tropical activity in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more just ahead on Texas Ag Today. Winter is finally here. It may not feel like it in some parts of Texas, but we're going to talk about some of the best things we can do in the gardening world during winter. Please join me, John Begnum. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. 2023 was a great year for some Texas farmers and not so great for others. Kenny Melton is the Western Agronomic Services Manager for BASF. He's based in Lubbock, and he says there were some challenges to overcome in 2023. We didn't hit the high yield market. We'd like to in a lot of situations, but given the the weather conditions that we had, uh, you know, we performed very well. We're very happy with how things turned out in terms of our uh, our fiber max as well as our Stoneville varieties. And, you know, a big part of our, our uh, work within agronomic services is uh, looking at, at new varieties and, uh, you know, testing those. And so we had a lot of we had a lot of trials out across the across the state. We had uh, actually we planted about 103 trials and some of those we didn't get to plant, especially in the panhandle because of the uh, because of how wet it was up there. You know, we had had several that were, you know, dry land uh, trials in the in the coastal bend and in the rolling plains and, and southern high plains that just didn't make it, you know, with the with the hot weather that we had that came in. It, it just didn't make it. And then, of course, throw in a few hailstorms as well. And you have a few of those every year, you know, and, and uh, certainly this was no exception. Kenny, am I correct in assuming that the big news, the exciting thing about 2024 is the rollout of your new Accent Flex technology? 
That is right. We are so excited about that. We just had our variety advancement meeting last week and made the decisions on that. We're going to be announcing those at the Beltwide, but I can tell you that we've got got four varieties that really look great uh, for the state, Um, you know, going all the way from South Texas up to the Panhandle. We're so excited about having that. It's all going to be, of course, in our own germplasm, which we're really excited to have that now because some of the dicamba varieties that we had in Stoneville were just in license varieties. And now this is our own germplasm. We're going to have one in a Stoneville bag and three in a FiberMax bag that we'll be announcing at the Beltwide this year. So, gosh, we're, we're ecstatic over that. It's uh, We've got some great performance with those, uh, got some great native traits to offer with that, uh, with root knot nematode, bacterial blight. We've got a couple that have got some good verticillium wilt tolerance as well. So we're really looking forward to 2024 and being able to get those in the marketplace. They're going to be in limited quantities, but they'll be out there. And, you know, as we get into that, we'll encourage uh, growers to uh, visit with their BASF rep or their retailer and and get the load down on trying to secure some of this for, uh, for 2024. That's Kenny Melton. He is the Western Agronomic Services Advisor for BASF. He's based out of Lubbock. Silage demand is growing on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt looks at the profitability of silage production in that part of the state. As we continue talking about Texas A&M AgriLife's 2024 economic forecast for Texas Panhandle agriculture, silage is a topic that certainly deserves some discussion. For many farmers whose operations happen to be located near a dairy or two, silage production has been a game changer. AgriLife Risk Management Specialist D.D. Jones explains. One thing that we've seen over the last five to ten years as more and more dairy operations have moved into the Texas Panhandle is those values of silages have gone up and up and up. So to put it in perspective, ten years ago, the price of corn silage almost always ran about nine times whatever the corn price was. So if the corn price was, let's say, $5 a bushel, silage would be nine times that. But now we've seen a shift and silage prices are running more like 12 times the price of corn. In AgriLife's 2024 forecast, Jones says silage is coming out much better than grain in terms of what farmers can get in their per acre returns over production expenses. To put it in perspective, like I said, corn's making you about 300 to 325 an acre. Corn silage is penciling out double that. It'll make over $600 an acre. Jones says for sorghum, the outlook for 2024 calls for a return over production expenses of about $550 to $600 an acre for silage compared to just $50 to $75 an acre for grain. As we pointed out yesterday, the figures quoted in this report are Texas panhandle specific. The numbers are based on the outlook for local prices and the cost of inputs that typically go into producing crops in this region. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. El Nino should reduce tropical activity in the Gulf next year. Tom Nicoletti has more. The outlook is optimistic for Texas farmers and ranchers in 2024 for favorable weather resulting from El Nino. BAM weather meteorologist Kirk Hins. 
very optimistic. I would say definitely the most optimistic I've been probably in the last half decade. I would say the only thing to watch, the strength of El Nino as we go into 2024, the longer that it lasts, the longer potential of above normal rain, cooler temperatures last deeper into 2024 because there's a lag with that. Now, we weaken El Nino quicker. That will be something to watch for next summer. You weaken El Nino quicker. That could be a signal for periods of warmer, drier than normal potential. Now, I will add the caveat there. That is not being seen. That is something to watch as a risk. How does El Nino relate to tropical systems in the Gulf of Mexico? Significantly less tropical activity, almost one-to-one correlation with that. So, and we, and we saw this this last season too. We didn't have any impactful tropical systems in terms of major hurricanes. They were all east of the east coast. That is a strong signal for what's ahead of us in 2024. So I think it's a slow start to the season, as long as this El Nino continues in a slower season as a whole, especially for the Gulf versus the last three, four years where we've had quite a bit the normal tropical activity in the Gulf. So below normal as we go into 2024. The comparison is in 2022, there was immense tropical activity. Definitely considerably above normal. So that was due to a strong La Nina, which tropical activity loves La Nina because it's less wind shear. That, that's just a change of wind. What's the opposite of El Nino? It does not favor atmospherically tropical activity and a stronger jet stream. It pushes everything east, east of the Gulf of Mexico. So that's the reasoning why I, I think it's going to be less. Optimistic for 2024, especially in comparison to what we have behind us. So uh, I think good things ahead. That is meteorologist Kirk Hins. He is president of BAM Weather in Indiana. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Winter is now officially here. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno looks at some of the things you can do in the winter to help your garden and landscaping next year. Now that winter is here, not that it's a whole lot different than late fall was in Texas, but wherever you are, there are a lot of things that we can do as far as gardening goes. And the number one thing, believe it or not, is clean up. Of course, we've got all those leaves, but we have top kill of these root-hardy perennials that we can remove all of that dead growth out of there and get it cleaned up. We can start preparing for spring gardens by getting our gardens, remember those old tomato plants and pepper plants and all that, out of there and get it all ready to plant coming up this spring because it won't be long and we'll be doing that. We have a lot of other things that we don't often think of. Sometimes you may have volunteer plants that come up in your yard or your garden. It might be a pecan tree, a squirrel planet, or who knows what it might be. It might even be a plant that needs to be relocated. And if it's not going to be a major job because it's a real big plant and hard to move or impossible because of a home foundation, then now it's the perfect time to dig and transplant. That being said, it's also the time that we start thinking about planting pecan trees, fruit trees, and you don't want to wait much longer than this before you locate those. If you're going to get them from a mail-order house or from one of the good Texas pecan or fruit tree nurseries, then you best get on board and look at their inventory and see what you would like and what's adapted to your area. Get them ordered, if not bought, and get ready to get them in the ground because January, February are prime times for that. A lot of other things going on. We talked a couple of weeks ago about entering the prime pruning season where you're in it now. From now all the way until it warms up in February is definitely the time we do our pruning on our major pruning on pecan trees, on oak trees, all of our shade trees. And remember, if you're expecting someone else to do that, you better get on their list because they're getting really busy 
with everybody thinking like you and me wanting to get that done. And a lot of other things to do, but for the most part, the planting of trees and shrubs, maybe a little bit later after the hard, cold spells and we expect in January or February might be the best thing. And many nurseries are not going to have a lot of stock available for that until later on in the year next year. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. Youth hunters may have an additional day to hunt turkey, deer, and squirrel next fall. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And joint injections are very common in performance horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Joint injections are very common in performance horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says the frequency of those injections is debatable. Dr. Aaron Contino indicates in the horse publication that many veterinarians are hesitant to inject joints too frequently, but again, that frequency depends on the practitioner. Most joint injections are used to treat arthritis, and arthritis damages the cartilage and bone, which leads to inflammation. The purpose of the joint injections are to relieve pain and lameness, and researchers have shown that triamcinolone, one of the medications commonly injected into joints, can actually protect the cartilage to some degree. However, you can't have too much of a good thing, because if the injections are effective for a shorter and shorter period, it is likely the arthritis is worsening and the injections are no longer effective. Although cortisone is the most common medication used in arthritic joints, there are many others, including regenerative therapy like platelet-rich plasma and stem cells. Also, hyaluronic acid can be injected into joints and is commonly injected with cortisone. There are multiple other options for treating arthritis, including oral and systemic injections for pain and inflammation. Shockwave therapy has also been used in treating joints. As far as how often to inject a horse's joints, there is no standard, but some vets try to limit injections to twice a year. Again, there is really no scientific proven time interval, but if you have to inject your horse's joints more than twice a year, it is likely other treatments should be considered. Many trainers and owners want their horses injected on a routine basis for maintenance. Because there's always a chance of joint infection with an injection, horses should only be injected when they have a diagnosed problem in a joint. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Youth hunters may have an additional day to hunt turkey, deer, and squirrel next fall. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Youth hunters could have additional time to hunt in the 2024-2025 season. Sean Oldenberger, Small Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, mentioned a potential extension of youth hunting days when previewing other potential regulation changes for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. We did have some public comment that they would like to extend our fall youth seasons to a Friday. Currently, we have a Saturday and Sunday. 
Uh, but they'd also like to see Friday. I'm not sure if the schools will agree with that, but we're just going to move on with that. So they would like to expand that to wild turkeys, deer, and squirrels. Biologically, adding one more day to the youth seasons is not a big deal. We don't see an issue with that. So this is a proposal we may come forward back to you in January to discuss. The proposed extension is informal at this time. TPWD staff are expected to bring it to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission in January for their consideration. If approved at that meeting, text of the proposed change will be published in the Texas Register. The department will then accept comments from the public on potentially expanding youth hunting days for turkey, deer, and squirrel. TPWD will take that public comment into consideration and is expected to bring the proposal back to the commission in March for their final consideration. If approved, that additional day will be added to the 2024-2025 hunting seasons. Again, that is for youth hunting for turkey, deer, and squirrel. The department is also weighing potential regulation changes for goose, duck, and turkey hunting. We'll have more on those potential rule changes in upcoming episodes. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex closed mixed to wrap up the trading day on Wednesday. We finished with live cattle mostly lower, feeder cattle mostly higher. On the live cattle trade, mostly lower, the exception being the nearby December contract. Of course, it's getting ready to go off the board, very lightly traded. It was up 15 cents, closing at 170.72, while the February was down $1.12, 169.27. April live cattle down 47 cents, 172.97. Feeder cattle finished higher. January feeders up 92 cents, 224.47. March feeder cattle up 82, 225.40. With April feeders up 82 cents, 230.90. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. No bids reported from the Packers. Looks like most of feedlots are pricing cattle in that 175 range this week. Of course, we wrapped up last week selling a dollar higher in the Southern Plains at 171. Boxed beef prices mixed on Wednesday. Choice down a dollar 71.59. Select up 13 cents at 261.32. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Joshua Garcia and his wife own and operate Carn City Auction LLC. They sell every Saturday. Joshua, how was your last sale before the holiday? Oh, uh, real good, Mr. Larry. Market was strong on good demand of quality cattle. Uh, sheep and goat market seemed to be up a little bit, so a good way to end the year. Walk the pens with me, Joshua. 
ended up with 541 head of cattle, 235 sheep and goats, with 140 sellers and 53 buyers. Uh, number one cows, 87 to 99. Number two cows, 30 to 86. Bulls, 88 to $1.17. Stalker cows, uh, bred cows, 750 to 1275. Pairs had some real nice pairs that bring from 1400 up to 1775. On the steering heifer, anything steers, two to three, it's 265 to 308. Three to fours, 250 to $3. Four to fives, 240 to $3. Five to sixes, 225 to 284. Six to sevens, $2 to 225. 700 plus pound steers, 175 to $2. On the heifer, anything, two to three weights, 233 to $3. Three to fours, 228 to 290. Four to fives, 219 to 270. Five to sixes, 206 to 240. Uh, six to sevens, 185 to 209. 700 plus pound heifers, 165 to 190. Good. When's your first sale after the holiday? Uh, we will be back January the 6th, uh, receiving cattle all the way, starting about the 2nd and 3rd. We'll start taking in cattle and stuff like that. So uh, just want to remind everybody that we, we will have our first sale on the 6th, and we'll receive cattle all that week. Well, Merry Christmas to you and your wife. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Uh, you can reach me on my mobile at 361-649-4578 or the cell phone phone 830-780-3382. And Shelby and myself want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And always remember, we work for you. Y'all be careful traveling we appreciate you thank you thank you and neighbor we appreciate you also for listening to walk in the pens on the texas farm bureau radio network i'm larry marble and you're listening right this second on texas ag today back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished mixed on wednesday february hogs up 57 cents 69.87 april down 15 at 75.92 class three milk was higher December milk up to 1612 100 weight with January milk up 14 1568 100 the cotton market saw a slow choppy holiday type trade in fact we've seen that in just about all of our markets here this week week between Christmas and New Year's is always a lightly traded week most folks taking some time away from trading we closed out however with a cotton market higher March cotton up 48 points 80 53. May cotton up 59 at 81.56. July cotton up 59, 82.19 cents. Grain markets were lower. Corn and wheat both finishing lower. Again, holiday, choppy trade, very quiet trade as the markets drift lower with very little news. March corn down three and three quarters, 476 and a half. May corn down three and three quarters, 488 and a half. July down three and a half at 498 a bushel. Wheat market seeing losses in both hard and soft wheat. March Kansas City wheat down seven and three quarters, six thirty-five a bushel. March Chicago wheat down thirteen and a quarter at six twenty-three a bushel. In the energy markets, February natural gas was up three cents, two forty-four. February West Texas crude down a dollar sixty-nine, seventy-three eighty-eight a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up hundred eleven points, thirty-seven thousand six fifty-six. The Nasdaq up 24 at 15,099, while the S&P was up 6, 4,781. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org. 
or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.